Welcome to the Sacramentalist, a podcast where the ancient Christian faith is brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. I'm your host for today, Father Miles Hickson, and I will be reading for us a portion of Tract 27 from the Tracts for the Times. Tract 27 is actually a republication of a work by an older Anglican bishop. The bishop's name is John Cosson, and he lived from 1594 to 1672. Cosson is remembered as an avid supporter of the monarchy and of high church polity during a tumultuous time in English history. He became the Bishop of Durham after the restoration of the monarchy in 1660. He is also remembered for his translation of the great hymn to the Holy Spirit, the Vini Creator Spiritus. His translation was included in the 1662 prayer book and has been used in many traditional prayer books ever since. If you've ever been to an ordination or an occasion where the Vini Creator Spiritus is used, you've probably heard Cosson's translation. The first stanza is, Come, Holy Ghost, our souls inspire, enlighten with celestial fire. Thou the anointing spirit art, who dost thy sevenfold gifts impart. As I already said, I'll be reading a portion of this tract for today. It's quite long and divides into a few chapters, and even the final chapter is actually the 28th tract of the Tract for the Times. So I will be reading chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Tract 27 by John Cosson, The History of Popish Transubstantiation, to which is opposed the Catholic doctrine of the Holy Scripture, the Ancient Fathers, and the Reformed Church. Chapter 1 The Spiritual Presence of Christ in the Sacrament of the Lord's Supper Those words which our blessed Savior used in the institution of the blessed sacrament of the Eucharist, This is my body which is given for you, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of sins, are held and acknowledged by the universal church to be most true and infallible, And if anyone dares opposes them, or call and question Christ's veracity, or the truth of his words, or refuse to yield his sincere assent to them, except he be allowed to make a mere figment or a bare figure of them, we cannot and ought not either excuse or suffer him in our churches. For we must embrace and hold for an undoubted truth whatever is taught by divine scripture. And therefore we can as little doubt of what Christ saith, John 6, 55, My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed, which, according to St. Paul, are both given to us by the consecrated elements. For he calls the bread the communion of Christ's body, and the cup the communion of his blood. Hence it is most evident that the bread and wine, which according to St. Paul are the elements of the Holy Eucharist, are neither changed as to their substance, nor vanished, nor reduced to nothing, but are solemnly consecrated by the words of Christ, that by them his blessed body and blood may be communicated to us. And further it appears from the same words that the expression of Christ and the Apostle is to be understood in a sacramental and mystic sense, and that no gross and carnal presence of body and blood can be maintained by them. And though the word sacrament be nowhere used in Scripture to signify the blessed Eucharist, yet the Christian Church, ever since its primitive age, hath given it that name, and always called the presence of Christ's body and blood therein mystic and sacramental. Now a sacramental expression doth, without any inconvenience, give to the sign the name of the thing signified, 
and such is as well the usual way of speaking, as the nature of sacraments, that not only the names, but even the properties and effects of what they represent and exhibit are given to the outward elements. Hence, as I said before, the bread is as clearly or positively called by the apostle the communion of the body of Christ. This also seems very plain, that our blessed Savior's design was not so much to teach what the elements of bread and wine are by nature and substance, as what is their use and office and signification in this mystery. For the body and blood of our Savior are not only fitly represented by the elements, but also by virtue of his institution, really offered to all, by them, and so eaten by the faithful mystically and sacramentally. Whence it is that he truly is and abides in us, and we in him. This is the spiritual, and yet no less true and undoubted than if it were corporeal, eating of Christ's flesh, not indeed simply as it is flesh, without any other respect. For so it is not given, neither would it profit us, but as it is crucified and given for the redemption of the world. Neither doth it hinder the truth and substance of the thing, that this eating of Christ's body is spiritual, that by it the souls of the faithful, and not their stomachs, are fed by the operation of the Holy Ghost. For this none can deny, but they who, being strangers to the Spirit and the divine truth, can savior only carnal things, and to whom what is spiritual and sacramental is the same as if a mere nothing. As to the manner of the presence of the body and blood of our Lord in the blessed sacrament, we that are Protestant and Reformed, according to the ancient Catholic Church, do not search into the manner of it with perplexing inquiries, but after the example of the primitive and purest Church of Christ. We leave it to the power and wisdom of our Lord, yielding a full and unfeigned assent to his words. Had the Romish maintainers of transubstantiation done the same, they would not have determined and decreed, and then imposed as an article of faith, absolutely necessary to salvation, a manner of presence, newly by them invented, under pain of the most dire curse, and there would have been in the church less wrangling and more peace and unity than now is. Chapter 2. Illustrated from Protestant Authorities. So then, none of the Protestant churches doubt of the real, that is true and not imaginary, presence of Christ's body and blood in the sacrament, and there appears no reason why any man should suspect their common confession, of either fraud or error, as though in this particular they had in the least departed from the Catholic faith. For it easy to produce the consent of Reformed churches and authors, whereby it will clearly appear to them that are not willfully blind, that they all zealously maintain and profess this truth, without forsaking in any wise the true Catholic faith in this manner. I begin with the Church of England. It teacheth, therefore, that in the blessed sacrament the body of Christ is given, taken, and eaten, so that to the worthy receivers the consecrated and broken bread is the communication of the body of Christ, and likewise the consecrated cup the communication of his blood, but that the wicked and they that approach unworthily the sacrament of so sacred a thing eat and drink their own damnation, and that they become guilty of the body and blood of Christ. In the same church, in a solemn prayer before the consecration, prays thus, Grant us, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood. 
and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. The priest also blessing or consecrating the bread and wine says thus, Hear us, O merciful Father, we most humbly beseech thee, and grant that we receiving these thy creatures of bread and wine, according to thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. The same when he gives the sacrament to the people kneeling, giving the bread, saith, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for thee, preserve thy body and soul unto everlasting life. Likewise, when he gives the cup, he saith, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thy body and soul to everlasting life. Afterwards, when the communion is done, follows a thanksgiving. Almighty and ever-living God, we most heartily thank thee for that thou dost vouchsafe to feed us who have duly received these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Also in the public authorized catechism of our church, appointed to be learned of all, it is answered to the question concerning the inward part of the sacrament, that it is the body and blood of Christ, which are verily and indeed taken and received by the faithful in the Lord's Supper. And in the apology for this church, writ by that worthy and reverend prelate Jewel, Bishop of Salisbury, it is expressly affirmed that to the faithful is truly given in the sacrament the body and blood of our Lord, the life-giving flesh of the Son of God, which quickens our souls, the bread that came from heaven, the food of immortality, grace and truth and life, and that it is the communion of the body and blood of Christ, that we may abide in him and he in us, and that we may be ascertained that the flesh and blood of Christ is the food of our souls as bread and wine is of our bodies. The right reverend doctors T. Bilson and L. Andrews, prelates both of them, thoroughly learned and great defenders of the primitive faith, made it most evident by their printed writings that the faith and doctrine of the Church of England is in all things agreeable to the Holy Scriptures, and the divinity of the ancient fathers. And as to what regards this mystery, the first treats of it in his answer to the apology of Cardinal Allen, and the last in his answer to the apology of Cardinal Bellarmine, where you may find things worthy to be read and noted as follows. Christ said, This is my body, and this the object, we are agreed with you. The manner only is controverted. We hold by a firm belief that it is the body of Christ, of the manner how it comes to be so, there is not a word in the gospel, and because the scripture is silent in this, we justly disown it to be a matter of faith. We may indeed rank it among tenets of the school, but by no means among the articles of our Christian belief. We like well of what Duradus is reported to have said. We hear the words and feel the motion. We know not the manner, yet believe the presence. For we believe a real presence no less than you do, we dare not be so bold as presumptuously to divine anything concerning the manner of a true presence, or rather we do not so much as trouble ourselves with being inquisitive about it. No more than in baptism, how the blood of Christ washeth us, or in the incarnation of our Redeemer, how the divine and human nature were united together. We put it into the number of sacred things or sacrifices, the Eucharist itself being a sacred mystery whereof the remnant ought to be consumed with fire, that is, as the fathers elegantly have it, adored by faith, but not searched by reason. As for the opinions and belief of the German Protestants, it will be known chiefly by the Augustan Confession. 
presented to Charles V by the princes of the empire and other great persons, for they teach that not only the bread and wine, but the body and blood of Christ is truly given to the receivers, or, as it is in another edition, that the body and blood of Christ are truly present and distributed to the communicants to the Lord's Supper, and refute those that teach otherwise. They also declare that we must so use the sacraments as to believe and embrace by faith those things promised which the sacraments offer and convey to us. Yet we may observe here that faith makes not those things present which are promised. For faith, as it is well known, is more properly said to take and apprehend than to promise or perform. But the word and promise of God, on which our faith is grounded, and not faith itself, make that present which is promised, as it was agreed at a conference at St. German betwixt some Protestants and Papists. And therefore it is unjustly laid to our charge by some in the Church of Rome, as if we should believe that the presence and participation of Christ in the sacrament is affected merely by the power of faith. The Saxon Confession, approved by other churches, seems to be a repetition of the Augustan. Therein we are taught that sacraments are actions divinely instituted, and that although the same things or actions in common use have nothing of the nature of sacraments, Yet, when used according to the divine institution, Christ is truly and substantially present in the communion, and his body and blood truly given to the receivers, so that he testifies that he is in them. As St. Hilary saith, these things taken and received make us to be in Christ, and Christ to be in us. The Confession of Wittenberg, which in the year of 1552 was propounded to the Council of Trent, is like unto this, for it teacheth that the true body and blood of Christ are given in the Holy Communion, and refutes those that say that the bread and wine and the sacrament are only signs of the absent body and blood of Christ. Luther was once of opinion that the divines of Basil and Strasbourg did acknowledge nothing in the Lord's Supper besides bread and wine. To him, Bucerus, in the name of all the rest, did freely answer, that they all unanimously did condemn that error, that neither they nor the Switzers ever believed or taught any such thing, that none could expressly be charged with that error except the Anabaptist, and that he also had once been persuaded that Luther in his writing attributed too much to the outward symbols and maintained a grosser union of Christ with the bread than the scriptures did allow, as though Christ had been corporally present with it, united into a natural substance with the bread, so that the wicked as well as the faithful were made partakers of grace by receiving the elements. But that their own doctrine and belief concerning that sacrament was that the true body and blood of Christ was truly presented, given, and received together with the visible signs of bread and wine by the operation of our Lord, and by virtue of his institution, according to the plain sound and sense of his words. And that not only Zwinglius and Oikolomopatius had taught so, but they also, in the public confessions of the Church of the Upper Germany and other writings, confessed it, so that the controversy was rather about the manner of the presence or absence than about the presence or absence itself, all which Bucer's associates confirm after him. He also adds that the magistrates in their churches had denounced very severe punishments to any that should deny the presence of the body and blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper. Bucerus did also maintain this doctrine of the Blessed Sacrament in presence of the Landgrave of Hesse and Melanchthon, confessing 
that together with the sacrament we truly and substantially receive the body of Christ. Also, that the bread and wine are conferring signs, giving what they represent, so that together with them the body of Christ is given and received. And to this he adds, that the body and bread are not united in the mixture of their substance, but in that the sacrament gives what it promiseth, that is, the one is never without the other. And so they agreeing on both parts, that the bread and wine are not changed, he holds such a sacramental union. Luther, having heard this, declares also his opinion thus, that he did not locally include the body and blood of Christ with the bread and wine, and unite them together by any natural connection, and that he did not make proper to the sacraments that virtue whereby they brought salvation to the receiver, but that he maintained only a sacramental union betwixt the body of Christ and the bread, and betwixt his, his blood and the wine, and did teach that the power of confirming our faith which he attributes to the sacraments, were not naturally inherent in the outward signs, but proceeded from the operation of Christ, and was given by his spirit, by his words, and by the elements. And finally, in this manner, he spake to all that were present, If you believe and teach that in the Lord's Supper the true body and blood of Christ is given and received, and not the bread and wine only, and that this giving and receiving is real and not imaginary, we are agreed, and we own you for dear brethren in the Lord. All this is set down at large in the 20th volume of Luther's works and in the English works of Bucer. The next will be the Galician Confession, made at Paris in a national synod and presented to King Charles IX at the Conference of Poissy, which speaks of the sacrament on this wise. Although Christ be in heaven, where he is to remain until he come to judge the world, Yet we believe that by the secret and incomprehensible virtue of his spirit, he feeds and vivifies us by the substance of his body and blood received by faith. Now we say that this is done in a spiritual manner, not that we believe it to be a fancy in imagination, instead of a truth and real effect, but rather because that mystery of our union with Christ is of so sublime a nature that it is much above the capacity of our senses as it is above the order of nature. We believe that in the Lord's Supper, God gives us really, that is truly and efficaciously, whatever is represented by the sacrament. With the signs, we join the true profession and fruition of the things by them offered to us. And so that bread and wine which are given to us become our spiritual nourishment, and that they make it in some manner visible to us that the flesh of Christ is our food, and his blood our drink. Therefore, those fanatics that reject these signs and symbols are by us rejected, our blessed Savior having said, This is my body, and this is my blood. This confession hath been subscribed by the Church of Geneva. Now, because great is the fame of Calvin, who subscribed the Augustine Confession and that of the Switzerts, let us hear what he writ and believed concerning this sacred mystery. His words and his institutions, and elsewhere are such, so conformable to the style and mind of the ancient fathers that no Catholic Protestant would wish to use any other. I understand, saith he, what is to be understood by the words of Christ, that he doth not only offer us the benefits of his death and resurrection, but his very body, wherein he died and rose again. I assert that the body of Christ is really, as the usual expression is, that is truly given to us in the sacrament, to be the saving food of our souls. 
also in another place, that word cannot lie, neither can it mock us. And except one presumes to call God a deceiver, he will never dare to say that the symbols are empty and that Christ is not in them. Therefore, if by the breaking of the bread our Savior doth represent the participation of his body, it is not to be doubted, but that he truly gives and confers it. If it be true that the visible sign is given us to seal the gift of an invisible thing, we most firmly believe that receiving the signs of the body, we also certainly receive the body itself, setting aside all absurdities. I do willingly admit all those terms that can most strongly express the true and substantial communication of the body and blood of Christ, granted to the faithful with the symbols of the Lord's Supper, and that, not as if they received only by the force of their imagination or an act of their minds, but really so as to be fed thereby unto eternal life. And again, We must therefore confess that the inward substance of the sacrament is joined with the visible sign, so that as the bread is put into our hands, the body of Christ is also given to us. This certainly, if there were nothing else, should abundantly satisfy us, that we understand that Christ, in his holy supper, gives us the true and proper substance of his body and blood, that it being wholly ours, we may be made partakers of all his benefits and graces. Again, the Son of God offers daily to us in the Holy Sacrament the same body which he once offered in sacrifice to his Father, that it may be our spiritual food. In these he asserts as clearly as anyone can the true, real, and substantial presence and communication of the body of Christ, but how he undertakes not to determine. If anyone, saith he, ask me concerning the manner, I will not be ashamed to confess that it is a secret too high for my reason to comprehend or my tongue to express, or to speak more properly, I feel then rather understand it. Therefore, without disputing, I embrace the truth of God and confidently repose on it. He declares that his flesh is the food and his blood the drink of my soul. In my soul, I offer to him to be fed by such nourishment. He bids me take eat, and drink his body and blood, which in his holy supper he offers me under the symbols of bread and wine. I make no scruples, but he doth reach them to me, and I receive them. All these are Calvin's own words. I was the more willing to be long in transcribing these things at large, out of public confessions of churches, and the best of authors, that it might the better appear how injuriously Protestant divines are calculated by others unacquainted with their opinions, as though by these words, spiritually and sacramentally, they did not acknowledge a true and well-understood real presence and communication of the body and blood of Christ in the blessed sacrament. Whereas, on the contrary, they do professedly own it in terms as expressive as any can be used." Well, there you have the first two chapters of this tract. I hope that you enjoyed that and you can see that the ongoing debates from the Reformation are continuing in Bishop Cosson's own time and that he is trying to set forward that in his days what he understands to be the great Catholic teaching of the Church is held not only by the Church of England but by the Lutheran Church and to some extent 
even the Reformed Church, that they all unanimously agree, along with the Roman Catholics, that there is a real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, the disagreement comes over the mode, and the major disagreement in Cossin's own day is that the Romans would force one to believe in a certain mode of presence at pain of being a heretic. And so, until next time, may the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.